Hey everybody, this is Diamonds and Hashmarks. It's another DNH episode coming to you earlier in the week. We were trying to record yesterday, but I mean, scheduling just didn't work out for us, so we audibled, and we're coming to you on a Tuesday. Not a yep. football first Monday, but a football first Tuesday. I got it right that time. A anyway, football first uh, Monday on a Tuesday. Yeah, well, I kind of. That's a long-running joke. If you're an avid listener, you understand that I've had problems with that in the past. Anyway, I am Alex Pichardo. I am the host and producer of this show. I'm Payne Pichardo, the co-host. You, do. you would think that about like 15 episodes in, you would know when your cue is, but that's okay. I'll let it go. All yeah, right. Thank you. Uh, DNH, we're Love back. Grace. Lot, yeah, of course. Uh, there's a lot to get into today. And uh, we got a couple housekeeping items right before we do that. Uh, go check out the show on YouTube at Diamonds and Hashmarks. Uh, Diamond Hashmark on Twitter. There is no S. Diamonds and Hashmarks on Instagram. YouTube and Instagram seeing a lot of great interaction there still. So we're posting a lot of reels and a lot of shorts there, as many as the platforms will essentially let us do. Um, diamonds and hash marks at gmail.com. If you have any business inquiries, send it there. If you just want to give us a piece of your mind and let us know what you think about what we think you can do it there. Uh, Peyton, I don't know if you follow us, the show on Instagram, but uh, there were a couple comments and I was kind of getting torched for my take on Notre Dame and USC. I will point out though, that all of those comments came after the game. Nobody stood up in defense of Notre Dame prior to the game. Uh, right. But we're going to get into that here in a second. Anyway, like I'm already getting fired up and I don't need to be. Um, Apple Podcasts yeah. and Spotify, five star reviews help us out a lot there. They let the algorithm know who to recommend us to next. Um, and while you're there, check out nest.pod. Uh, they're still putting out a lot of great content, lots of football conversations there. Ordinarily, mm-hmm. on a day like today, first episode of the week, Jags just played the Colts. We would have Josh Lawson join us. Scheduling didn't work out for him on Monday or on Tuesday, I think. I don't know. Anyway, Josh will join us Thursday. So we are going to park our Jags and Colts recap and preview the rest of the week for the Jags conversation for Thursday. We're going to have that conversation, just not today. We're going to do it with Josh on Thursday because we need his insight into the horrific loss and, and just the tragedy of the Indianapolis Colts. Also, we will be previewing that Thursday game, the yes. Jags versus the Saints as well. Yeah, Short week Jags. for the Jags, so we shall see how that works out. And yeah, Trevor, we don't know. So yeah, we don't. It's gonna know. be great. But we are we are going to talk about that briefly because that's not necessarily recapping, mm-hmm. but it, it is something we're going to address today. Uh, for yeah. the final time, I am telling everybody, you can go comment on any of the. Uh, recent episodes where I ask how many hats does Peyton have or comment on the Instagram or YouTube reel or YouTube short Instagram reel and guess how many baseball hats Peyton has. The, The person who comes the closest without going over and nobody's done it yet. Everybody's gone over. So I'll, I'll allow a mulligan possibly, but that person will get a shout out on Thursday's episode and and if you check out, maybe we'll see if we can get you on the show for some quick conversation or something like that on Thursday or next Monday, next Thursday, something like that. We'll see. It's a fun yeah. little contest. It's possibly the show's most viral moment so far. Uh, lots of views. So 
yeah, we appreciate it. Um, appreciate all the love and support. Uh, it's time to get into it. We're going to start yeah. chronological order, as we always do. Stanford versus Colorado. You know we had to talk about Stanford versus Colorado. What yeah. a disaster Colorado looks like right now. Did you see that yeah. Coach Prime was kind of questioning whether or not his guys actually like the game of football? Yeah, that was uh, that was insane, you know? Um, that was the press. That was the press conference that we're talking about, right? Yeah, like, like right it was after in, the what, game. Didn't he say that during the press press conference? It's like maybe yeah, my guys basically. don't like playing football. And I'm like, yeah. that's such a bad look. Like, yeah, you don't trust your guys enough to be able to like love this game and to be able to perform in high key games. And this this game might have not have been a high key game, but it was a it was a game nonetheless. I think you just got to have more faith in your players. Um, so. it, it, well. We'll just say, bottom line, that's not what you want to hear. If you're right. a donor of Colorado and you're giving money to the football program, the last thing you want to hear is, I don't know if my players like the game of football. So it was weird. Definitely weird. Yeah. If you're late to the party and you're wondering why we're talking about that, it's because Colorado walked in and played against 1-5 Stanford and lost they blew a 29-0 lead and ultimately lost the game 46 to 43 in double overtime Peyton I'm sitting right here looking at the box score and the scoring summary and it it really at the end of the first half wasn't it 29-0 or something like that I remember turning the game off because I was like oh Colorado has this easy was I wrong to assume that though was I, I mean, wrong I to assume that Colorado that. I had think it. we all were thinking, like, no, I don't think you're wrong at all. Colorado, I mean, looks strong, and I totally expected them to win this game. I think, um, I think I picked them to win, or I don't even know if we picked this game, but I was like, yeah, I think, like, no brainer, like Colorado's going to win this game. But then we were just let down again. So it's yeah. almost a like, I don't know if I trust Colorado to win another game this season. <laughs> um, Definitely not what I was expecting. Uh, So I'm sitting here looking at it. It was 7-0 Colorado, 14-0 Colorado, 22-0, 29-0, 29-6, 29-12, 29-19. By the fourth quarter, Colorado still hadn't scored since the first half. Mm -hmm. 29-26, then they put some points up on the board. We finished regulation at 36 and 36. There was a 46-yard field goal that Stanford kicked to tie the game to send it into overtime and as soon as we got into overtime it it was just one possession essentially like Colorado had its possession they scored Stanford had its possession they scored then in the second overtime Stanford walked away with it so hey hats off to Stanford if you're gonna walk in there and, and and do that to Colorado who was four and two starting that game but at the same time like I'm sitting here asking the question, how bad was TCU to lose that game to Colorado? In the first game, yeah. Um, I've been saying it this whole time. They're, they were trash. They were absolutely trash. There's no way you could prove me otherwise. I mean, you. I'm looking at some of the box, box score in this game. Um, and Shador Sanders really didn't have that bad of a game. Like 33-48, 400, 400 yards, five touchdowns, only one interception. Um, I didn't see where that interception was, but if that's the interception that like made it to where like momentum was shifted and San- and Stanford was going to take it, then dang, because that's crazy. Because like 
not only did he lead in passing yards, obviously, because he was the first-string quarter, uh, first quarterback, but he led in passing yards throughout the whole entire game. Mm-hmm. He also led in rushing yards with 37. But, like, that also poises a question for me. Like, on those 13 carries, you're only getting 37 yards, but you're not trusting your running back to get the job done either. So, it's interesting. And I'm looking at the receiving yard leaders um, for Stanford. And I, I'm I'm gonna butcher his name, but Alec Ayo Ayo Manor Ayo Manor Ayo Manor something like that. Something. Thirteen receptions, two hundred ninety-four yards, three touchdowns. Huh? Like almost a three hundred-yard game out of Stanford. Like, how does Colorado's defense let that happen? I don't know, and I think the chink in how the do you armor not so it? far. Yeah, the the issue so far for Colorado has been their defense and their running game. Like, it's always kind of been yep. an issue, I guess, so far this season. But at the same time, it's Stanford. Like, right. I, I, don't, I don't understand how a program that has had so much hype around it recently goes in and poops the bed against a 1-5 in five stand. Like, the, the literal school yeah. mascot is a tree. Yeah. And, uh, and the last time Stanford <laughs> was relevant was when CMC was there, so... And before that, Andrew Luck. And before that, Andrew Luck. And before that, what's his name? Did he go to Stanford? Sam Bradford, did he go to Stanford? No, Oklahoma. Was he Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, Sam Bradford went to Oklahoma. No, you're not messing me up on that. I watched it in Swamp Kings. Sam Bradford was over there in Oklahoma. All right, so while you look that up, we'll go ahead and, and continue the Swamp King trend here. Florida versus South Carolina. That was another game yep. that happened over the weekend. Uh, admittedly, I did not watch. I was sitting in a Chick-fil-A watching the the plays come through on GameCast on the ESPN app. I wish I could have sat there and watched it because it looked like it was just one heck of a game. I mean, mm. my hat's off to Billy Napier and Florida for picking one up on the road when it really didn't look like it was going to happen. I know at one point we were down 10 in the fourth quarter. And typically when that happens to the University of Florida, when we're especially on the road, uh, fans start throwing their hats and they're like, okay, we're not winning this one. Clearly, it's not meant to be this game. But to Billy Napier's credit and to the Florida offense's credit, they got the job done when they needed to get it done. I mean, uh, Mm -hmm. again, just here looking at the play-by-play, looking at the scoring summary, 7-0, uh, 10-7, take the lead again, lose the lead 14-10, uh, 14-13, kick a field goal, 21-14, uh, we score, two-point conversion is good. Trevor Etienne looked like he had himself a game just because it looks mm. like he was very relevant, especially in the first half. But as we get into that fourth quarter, the game is still very close. Uh, yeah. South Carolina took the lead 31-27, 37-27, uh, and that's when yeah. we were down by 10. And then yeah. Ricky Pearsall is the singular Pearsall. factor that marched Florida yeah. down uh, the field to score and take the lead 41-37, and that's where it ended. Uh, well, it would yeah. have ended 41-37, but there was a safety involved, so 41-39 um, yeah. officially. Uh, do you have any thoughts surrounding this game? You recently watched the University of Florida play against Vanderbilt. And I kind of mm-hmm. looked at this game and said, easy, they should beat South Carolina, even though it's a road game and they've had some issues. Did you watch sure. any of it? Do you have any thoughts coming out of this one? Uh, 
I didn't watch it, no, but I do have a couple of thoughts, I think, that are just springing out, uh, as of right now. Um, like, going on the road into South Carolina and that culture that they have over there and coming out with a win and a close win, even at that, I think is very impressive with the quarterback, like Spencer Rattler, um, that you have on the opposite side of the field, like, uh, getting the job done. But, I mean, Graham Mertz got the job done. 423 yards, three touchdowns. Pearsall with, uh, being that one touchdown. But, like, yeah. I'm Colin Shaq Wilson it. getting it done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and another thing I'm looking at, like, Gators are five and two, and they're going into this next game uh, in Jacksonville when they play Georgia this next week. They're five and two, and they're looking, they're looking, they're looking decent. But I mean, yeah, looking they- okay. S- still didn't do very well against Kentucky, who Georgia absolutely manhandled. And yeah, there are so. several storylines that we are going to preview uh, coming yeah. up soon in the next episode. So mm-hmm. let's let's hold off on the Georgia Florida or Florida Georgia depending on where you're from. Let's hold off on that conversation. Yeah, but but uh, what we do want to talk about is the conversation surrounding I didn't mean to cut you off. I know that I'm lagging a little bit, but I'll let you say what you want right. to say. But just to let people know, what we're about to do is we're going to have to have a serious conversation about Billy Napier and the rest of the year. But you can go ahead yeah. and wrap up your thoughts. Yeah, just uh, what you're saying, talking about the rest of the year. Like, the rest of the year, they're facing uh, top SEC teams, and it's not going to look great. Or we'll see how close the games actually really are. So they have Georgia this next week. Then they got Arkansas. Then they got LSU. Then they got Missouri. Those are the last of the SEC games that we're going to see out of them. And then, we're gonna, and then they're going to play Florida State in that final week, who is look very strong. So yeah, they, they the rest want of the schedule is going to look interesting. Yeah, so – Let's go ahead and have that conversation. We watched that first game against Utah, and I remember saying on this show, I don't want to be the guy that walks in here and says, fire Billy Napier right now. Like, obviously, it's his second year. His guys are are still showing up, still getting ready. He's a recruiting Mm -hmm. genius. I still want to see the finished product, but golly, we needed to be better than that against Utah. We showed up against Tennessee. We took care of McNeese State and Charlotte at home. Uh, we took care of Vanderbilt at home, but before we played Vanderbilt, we stumbled big time against Kentucky in Kentucky. Yep. We're sitting here right now, what, five and two? Yep. A, a semi impressive five and two. Your lone big win coming against the University of Tennessee, who still sits on top of you uh, in the SEC rankings um, yep. and, and in the overall top 25 college football rankings. I'm not as on edge about Billy Napier as I was starting the year. Like, I think he's kind of saved his job, but I also remember myself saying the University of Florida will be lucky to finish over 500 this year. Do you remember me saying that? I hope you do. I think I do. Yeah, I was saying it. I know I was saying it at work with my friends who watch uh, a lot more football than I do. I remember saying that. I think we're lucky to finish above 500. I look at the end of the year. One Georgia, a tough Arkansas, 19 LSU, who shouldn't be number 19. I don't think they should be ranked. Uh, We're going to lose to Missouri. I know that's happening just because Missouri has done that a couple times this year. They take advantage of the slow start. And then for Florida State, those last couple of games, we're playing a ranked opponent four out of the five times. There's a chance that we still don't finish this season over 500. It looks like we could lose a bunch of games in the row. So I want to have this conversation right now and say 
Billy Napier has shown improvement. He's clearly gotten better as a head coach, clearly gotten better calling plays. I still think he should hire an offensive coordinator and stop trying to do that because he runs into this thing where he tries to call a bunch of trick plays, especially when we're up, and sometimes they don't look great. It's like schoolyard football almost, but I still think he should hire an offensive coordinator. But past that, I think we need to remember we shouldn't lose our cool. Just because we're, uh, I think we're getting ready to lose a bunch of games in a row. If we win a couple of these games, great, more power to them. I'm not asking for 10 and 2. I just don't want to look at the end of the year and see 5 and 6 as the final record. It's mm. entirely possible we do. But I just want to say right now, we need to remember that this is the second year. And before we lose a bunch of games, which I think we will, we need to keep our head screwed on tight and, and understand exactly where we are. Like, yeah, we're five and two right now feeling great, but we could lose a bunch. Mm, yeah. And I don't think it's time to fire him just yet. I mean, a lot to be seen, a lot to be seen, but there's a lot we of need growth to remember there. where we are and understand what we're about to walk into. There is a valley coming. We're losing yeah. a couple of these games. I, I'm almost sure of that. <laughs> but, I mean, this show has proven nothing except for I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, I just thought it, it, now was the time to say maybe Billy shouldn't be fired if there was ever a time for that. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? If we finish the year five and six, do you think he's gone? Do you think we should fire him? Or is it too um, early to tell? Uh, it's too early to tell, I think, still. Um, I just want to credit to you for the growth. I mean, I, we were ready to just, like, tear down tear down the walls and like set the ship on fire yeah um and i was i was pretty it, upset call it a done season um but uh you have overcome that and you're now kind of on the billy train a little bit but like you're also expecting the worst i think yeah well uh hoping for the best but expecting the worst or however jay-z says it yeah um oh that's true. oh nice <laughs> i guess if we're quoting jay-z on the show all right yeah, you yeah. thought that was growth. Here's a little bit of growth for you. I'm going to look into the camera right now. Dear Notre Dame fans, I'm sorry, but I don't care. To USC fans, I guess this was kind of coming. To all those who are trolling me in the comments, I didn't see any one of you sticking up for Notre Dame prior to the game and only commenting after. And that's all I have to say. It's but... Fair. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this game, USC versus Notre Dame. Yeah. The final score there, very shocking. 48-20, Notre Dame walking away with the win. If you haven't seen the clip by now, you need to go find it. It's probably just a single scroll away. But Notre Dame was favored by seven, and I lost my cool. I could not believe it. I don't yeah. think there's any universe in which Notre Dame should have been favored to win that game let alone actually win that game yeah. however it has been brought to my attention by the comment section that there is no reason i should have thought notre dame should not have won that game because usc almost lost to arizona i'll be honest Fair. i didn't think of that didn't remember that however back to you i didn't foresee caleb williams throwing three interceptions in the first half yeah, no. I didn't and I think if Caleb Williams doesn't do that, we're talking about a different outcome. Yeah. Do, did that shock you? Did it look like the moment was too big for Caleb Williams? Yeah, I um, I watched some of the game. I watched like 
maybe the beginning of the game and then i went to go uh, i went to go somewhere else and go hang out with some friends afterwards but like uh i remember just seeing like through the text messages just like uh in, in the group chat that we're in it's just like he has three first half interceptions and i'm just like that's doesn't sound like caleb williams at all no. so that sounds um, like a Graham Mertz stat. That sounds like a Graham Mertz stat. That sounds like a Zach Wilson stat. And <laughs> funny enough, it's a Trevor well, maybe Lawrence, not anymore. It's, it's, it's a Trevor Lawrence stat from last year in the playoffs. Yeah, he had honestly. four interceptions in the first half, and then he <laughs> came back. Crazy. But um, yeah. So, gosh, man, the moment might have been too big for him, and which is weird because he's had so many big moments in the past that he has yeah. lived up to, that he has kind of taken the world by storm taken control of yeah so and and man, we've even had the know. conversation of what does he have left to prove well we i mean obviously much. now he has to prove that he can overcome a bad first half because clearly if he throws three picks he's just not the same guy i mean he finished the game uh albeit i'll admit college football is very difficult especially if you're playing quarterback yeah but he went 23 of 37 completion wise 199 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. His counterpart, Sam Hartman, went 13 for 20, 126 yards, two touchdowns. So he didn't give the ball away. Mm. And honestly, it looked like Notre Dame's defense kind of took over. The offensive line for University of Southern California could not handle a nosebleed. Uh, they, guys were slipping through like butter over there, like mm. lathered up and Vaseline just getting through the line. It looked like Caleb Williams was fighting for his life back there, which, I mean, when we talk about Jalen Hurts here in a second, a bad offensive line doesn't help out a quarterback, and it does eventually lead to turnovers and bad quarterback play. However, Mm -hmm. I don't think we should be throwing three interceptions in the first half. So I I was just very shocked by that score. Um, So what we're going to do now is I'm going to kind of explain what I said earlier when I said – uh, to Notre Dame fans, I'm sorry, but I don't care. And here's what I mean by that. I'm sorry I underestimated you playing against a USC team that clearly has no functioning defense and, and that I did not think that you guys were going to win that game or that it was even going to be close. Mm. However, when I say I don't care, I mean that I don't think you should be in the college football playoff. And I'm not having the conversation that Notre Dame is one of the better teams in college football this year because you're mm. not. We do this year in and year out. Hey, I will root for you guys. Like, I'm all about Notre Dame beating up on Ohio State. I'm all about Notre Dame uh, playing in these big games, especially later in the year or even Mm -hmm. earlier in the year when you're playing against Texas, something like that. All about Notre Dame. But you get pantsed on national television nine times out of ten when this happens. Now, you didn't get pants this time, and I'm not going to let the outlier influence the rest of my thinking. I'm still not saying you're in the college football playoff. Next year, we can have a conversation because it's going to be expanded. But this performance makes me a little less hesitant with regards to, like, I don't feel like Notre Dame absolutely not should never be in a big game. I'm not feeling that as much as I normally am. However, it's still not anytime soon. A penance still has to be paid. Sure. Yeah. Is that like, am I out of control on that? Do you think? I think it's totally, I think it's totally reasonable. I think you were okay. wrong in. Just... <laughs> but I'm growing. I, I'm, I'm growing. I'm wrong. You're wrong, but we're growing. See, a lot of growth in this show. Lots like, of growth. Lots of um, growth. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm sorry I underestimated you, uh, but I don't care because you shouldn't be in the college football playoff. Uh, let's qu- switch gears here. Um, let's move on yep. to the NFL. Lots of big games this weekend. Um, lots yep. of weird scores this weekend. Uh, yeah, let me pull so, up. As we said before we got started, we're going to table our conversation regarding the Jags recap. And and we're just going to foc- uh, focus. I'm having a hard time speaking all of a sudden. We're going to focus on a couple of those bigger games um, that had some wacky results. And this is where I want to start. I want to start. Uh, talking about the 49ers versus the Browns. Because I would have turned that game on and immediately switched the channel because the 49ers clearly have this one in the bag. Yeah. However, the final score of that game, which, okay, uh, Peyton, you're in a similar viewing area as I am. Yeah. I hate the fact that Fox cut the feed on that game and switched to the Giants and the Bucks, or the Lions and the Bucks, which yep. was not as exciting as the end of that game. And shame nope. on Fox for that, honestly. Yeah, it was, it, it was, I have my own thoughts on that, bro. Like, I wanted to see the end of that game, and then I instead yeah. I had to look at my phone to see, like, what actually happened uh, in the result, uh, in resulting in um, uh, the San Francisco kicker missing the field goal. I'm like, come on, Fox, like, do better. And then, like, the, in America's Game of the Week, you got the Lions and the Bucks. I mean, the Lions are doing great this season, but I'm not going to watch the Bucks. I would rather watch the Eagles game. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, it's not like the game, the way that it was flowing, was going to wind up in a tie and all of a sudden you're carrying overtime. Like, it, let the game finish before you move on. It's not like Lions versus Bucks was starting that instant and you had to flip then. No, you flipped to pregame right. coverage. I still wanted to see the end of it. I watched the game turn off and go straight into a Liberty Mutual commercial. And I was like, you have to be kidding me. Did that seriously just happen? And it did. It did. So, I mean, I was a little upset over that. But the final score of that game, Browns 19, San Francisco 17. Bro, what happened? Um, But the the score is the way it is because of the injuries that happened on the field. Mm. So we saw Debo go out. I don't know exactly what his injury is, but I hope that he gets well soon. Um, and uh, we saw him on the uh, on the sideline in street clothes. I think like either in the beginning, like the beginning of the or not the beginning of the first half, but like in the first half. And then we saw um, Christian McCaffrey go down. Man, and this is what I've been man, preparing for in fantasy. But right, I don't. We all I don't... knew that it was inevitable. All knew that it was going to happen. Um, and it did happen. And it's something with his rib or the side or something's happening uh, yep. in that regard. So I think the, I think uh, the 49ers are waiting on some more imaging just to really see what they really need to do in that uh, in that slot. So this is my advice to anybody um, anybody in fantasy who had Chris McCaffrey, you don't have any backup, go for the backup for the 49ers. I don't know his name, but they're probably going to use the running game a lot. Yeah, Next with game. Debo out, Ayuk and Kittle being really the only passing options, especially if McCaffrey is yeah. out. Now, here's what I will say. Um, it is an oblique slash rib problem. He had his MRI today. No, yeah. he had his MRI yesterday, according to The Athletic. Uh, Coach Kyle Shanahan noted Monday that it is yet to be determined whether the injury that forced McCaffrey out of Sunday's loss to the Browns is an oblique issue, a rib issue, or a combination of the two. Once results of the running back's MRI are back, 
the 49ers should have a better idea of McCaffrey's availability for Monday's game against the Vikings. But if he ends up limited or out week seven, Jordan Mason and Eliza Mitchell would be next in line for the team's backfield touches. So those are the guys that you should go looking for. It's It hasn't been determined yet whether or not McCaffrey's out. And I really need him to not be out. I need him to be playing. And yeah, I need him to be yeah. carrying the same amount of touches that he was prior to getting hurt. Yeah. Uh, but PJ Walker got the job done for the Browns. He did, he, he did yeah. what needed to be done, I guess. Which With a, with a hurt Deshaun Watson. So Right. And I I, speculation that he's done for the year. Uh, have you I seen that floating around? Because I have. No. Well, Anthony Richardson, uh, heard... too. Um, I haven't seen that now. Okay. Uh, well, so scoring summary, the way that we're looking at this here, it looks like uh, San Francisco had the lead early, but then once they lost it at the beginning of the third quarter, they never took it back. Oh, wait, they did at the beginning of the fourth <coughs> quarter. Uh, but the, yeah. the Browns just getting the job done. Dustin Hopkins <laughs> with two late field goals to push them across the finish line. And uh, honestly, yeah. I'm shocked. I didn't think the Browns were going to be a very good team at the beginning of this season, let alone beat the 49ers who had yet to lose. Yeah. Right. I, I'm just, yeah, I, we're going to get into it, I guess, and buy, sell, or hold right now, but there are no unbeatens left. Right, exactly. Yeah. Also, so, sidetrack, I want to sidetrack here, because uh, I saw this headline while I was looking at some NFL scores. Um, <laughs> I feel like it has to be brought up because I find it hilarious. Um, it says frustrated Shane Beamer broke his foot after the South Carolina loss when he kicked something in frustration after they lost the 10 point lead in fourth quarter against the Gators. Well, you should have known better. You're the University of South Carolina. When I say USC, nobody thinks about you. I think about the Trojans. Yeah, they think about, yeah, they think about the Trojans. <laughs> if we're being honest. Funny. Yeah. Brock but, Purdy. Uh, yeah. Um, Losing the quarterback battle to PJ Walker, uh, twelve of twenty-seven, yeah, one hundred twenty-five yards, four point six yard average, one touchdown, one interception. Took three sacks for negative eighteen yards. A passer rating. That's his first loss in regular season, for him. which is insane. Brock Purdy. I'm still yeah. casting my vote for him to win MVP. I guess as of right now, but it, it's kind of wild that we've seen this long string of quarterbacks in San Francisco of them hoping that they could replicate. Dan Marino, or not Dan Marino, but they could replicate the Joe Montana to Steve mm. Young, um, next quarterback in line. And it looks like they have their guy and Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. It's insane yeah. that this is the first time that he's lost. Like, I don't think we've seen a start like that in a long time. Can you think of a yeah. person who's had a start like that across baseball and football? Man. Um... Ellie De La Cruz comes to mind recently, and I think that's just recency yeah, like, bias. Uh, that's recency bias, but like also we knew like L.A. De La Cruz was going to be that guy. I don't know if there's a guy that is like there's like absolutely like no way that he should have been like had that much potential, but then he like shows it, and then we're like all shocked. So yeah. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But uh, yeah, um, get up on ESPN. Uh, I didn't see no, it was it was first take, and one of the one of the takes that they had um, was is Brock Purdy. An elite quarterback. Yes. And Shannon Sharp and Stephen A. disagreed. Hmm. They, well, I mean, 
is is Brock Purdy an elite quarterback? Yes, I I think that kind of goes I, without I do, question. I do agree with that so well. far, now we can have that conversation again here in a little bit. But I mean, saying sure. he's not an elite quarterback, I I just don't. He's definitely like in he's the top. Good, they're saying he's a good quarterback, half. but not hasn't reached that elite status yet. Which I feel well, like what, he has. What does elite mean? Does elite mean winning a Super Bowl? Because at that point, right. Trent Dilfer was yeah. elite. You know, because he won a Super Bowl. He didn't throw an interception long enough for his team to win. Dang. That I mean, that's no disrespect <laughs> to Trent Dilfer. He knows that's true. But, yeah, I mean, right. what does elite mean? Like, because I remember having that conversation about Joe Flacco, who is not elite, and people were trying to say he mm-hmm. was. I think Brock Purdy yeah. is definitely different. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. Yeah. Um, PJ Walker, I mean... We'll just wrap up the conversation here with his stats. 18 of 34, 192 yards, a 5.6 yard average, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So I don't know if he necessarily played better than Brock Purdy. He, his team was just able to carry him a little bit more, I guess, in spite of injuries uh, to the 49ers roster. Um, This next game that we're going to talk about Jets versus Eagles, another game where an unbeaten Titan fell. Um, Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson, continues to look better each and every week continues to throw the ball around not recklessly like he did last season um yeah just getting the job done and as this game was on and i was unable to watch it because of my viewing area and i'm scrolling through twitter i see number one zach wilson's getting the job done number two the eagles offense is continuing to struggle yeah, I thought we said maybe by week six, week seven, they'll have figured it out, right the ship. It looked like they did recently against the Commanders where they figured it out in the second half. Okay, Do you yeah. think this is going to be a season-long trend here? Or like, are they eventually going to figure it out? I really hope not. They have the guys to do it. I mean, Jason Kelsey, um, Lane Johnson, who did get hurt, I think, in the first half as well. Um, I believe he's the, uh, he's he's one of the guard or a left or right tackle. I can't remember what position he is, but I know he's a legendary for the for the Eagles. Um, and he's been he's been Devonte Smith, like, AJ Brown, like DeAndre Smith. Swift. Yeah. They have the guys. Jalen Hurts. They have the guys. Yeah. Why can't they click? Why can't they figure it out? Do you think it's a matter of okay? We have a guy named Devonte Smith. We have a guy named AJ Brown. DeAndre Swift, let's design plays to get them the ball. Yeah. I don't think that's the issue. Could it be? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Honestly, it looked like they had kind of figured it out. But then they walked into this game against the Jets, and the Jets' defense, to their credit, did a phenomenal job at making Jalen Hurts uncomfortable in the pocket. Late in that game, it looked like Jalen Hurts was seeing ghosts when he was in the pocket. There were several instances where there was a three-man rush or a four-man rush, and checkdowns were open. But he was lowering his shoulders, ready to move up in the pocket, scramble out of there, and not dumping the ball off to where he should have. So, I I don't know. I I want to see the Eagles' offense turn it around, but if a quarterback has lost confidence in his offensive line because of whatever happened earlier in the game, that's not a great place to be. Do you think they could recover? I hope so. Um, a stat that I'll read off here is that Jay, uh, Jalen Hurts obviously threw, uh, uh, threw three interceptions despite um, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, their cornerbacks, not being available. And I think I believe they were hurt. And then they were pressured on a season high of 40% of their dropbacks. So 40% of the whole entire dropbacks of that game, they were pressured. Yeah. So 
something's happening with the O-line. They need to figure it out. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's a play calling issue. I think it's a quarterback making the split second decision issue, but being hindered yeah. by a distrust of the offensive line and not being able to figure out where the blitzes are coming from. Cause that's kind of sure. what it looked like to me. He was seeing ghosts. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, I agree with that. Let's move on to buy, sell or hold. Uh, let's do speaking it. of two Titans falling this week to teams that we did not think had a shot at one point in this season. By seller hold, there is no clear great team in the NFL this year. So I think 49ers still hold that title. I mean, they're they're a strong unit when they're healthy. So they just got to stay healthy. So, I mean, um, you could argue that maybe Miami as well. They're looking strong, I think, with just their running game and how many guys they have uh, uh, that are like speed speed demons, right? Yeah. Like Tasmanian Devils. So, um you could you can make that argument, but uh, yeah, I'll sell. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna agree with you here. I'm selling on this too. Even though there is no unbeaten, I think the 49ers are definitely a team that can recover. Uh, dude, nobody's talking about the Chiefs. Uh, we're talking about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, but nobody's talking about the year that the Chiefs are having because they're still motoring right on. Yep. Yeah, sure. The Bills have fallen off a little bit, but the Dolphins have taken their place. Right. There's still several good teams, even though there are no unbeaten's anymore. Uh, buy, sell, or hold. Alex needs to chill on Notre Dame and Dallas criticism. This um, was fan submitted. This was fan submitted. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Buy, sell, or hold. Alex needs to chill on Notre Dame and Dallas criticism. I say sell. Let it let it, let, let it fly. <laughs> I'm letting it rip. I'm selling. Let I don't care, rip. dude. <laughs> let it rip. I don't care. I've already grown enough to apologize. I yeah. <laughs> I don't need to grow anymore. I'm gonna keep letting <laughs> well, it rip. That was Steve Harvey <laughs> clip. I would like to apologize. Or uh, the Conor McGregor one. I like yeah. to apologize. That's Absolutely insane. nobody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just. I what else would I criticize if I didn't criticize Notre Dame and Dallas? They exist, so the this show has something to take to the garbage can. Anyway, uh, okay, yeah, buy, maybe, sell, yeah. or hold. Philly by a million. So yeah, I you're buying that, today, dude. Yeah, buying like buying like it's like my life. Like if I if my life depended on it, which it does. Checking savings account, you're throwing it in. Roth IRA, 401k, doesn't matter what. You're throwing it in there. Philly by a million. That's what you're feeling? Philly by a million. That's what I'm feeling. Dude, first pitch, Kyle Schwarber takes it over the fence. Like, you got Citizens Bank Park rocking off off of that. And then uh, 108 decibels. And then 111 decibels three pitches later when Harper went yard. When Harper went yard. Like, yeah. They're within four pitches, and then when Nick Castellanos poked it over the right field fence in an Apo Taco homer, like I'm excited, yeah. so excited for this series. <laughs> I don't and want the Philly series to, to leave Philly. <laughs> I I don't want it to leave Philly because oh, no, if no, no. Yeah. if Philly sweeps, that means that they're celebrating in the pool. Honestly, it could be a great photo op. You're telling me Bryce Harper, Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, all those guys with cigars, like it in the pool, that would go hard. Obviously, well, you, saw a, you saw a celebration yesterday on his birthday, right? Oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah. Which is 31. fantastic. I <laughs> Bryce loves Philly. Philly loves Bryce. I love that yep. for them. I, I yep. this is how could you not be romantic about baseball? 
especially when you're sure. seeing it in the city of brotherly love philly by a million i'm buying it i'm taking it uh nice. buy seller hold major league baseball needs to reevaluate playoff format because the only top Ooh. seed remaining is houston the other teams are the six seed arizona five seed or four seed philly and then i think another five seed texas or something like that Something at the like beginning that, yeah. of the year, um, but by sell or hold, they need to reevaluate playoff format. I say sell. I say keep it. I mean, it's. I, I think in a sense it's been perfected with what, just like the wild card, um, the wild card format that they added uh, last year. Like, it's a matter. Like, here's what it comes down to. It's a matter of who is hot at the right time, and we're seeing that unfold right now. Texas yeah. is hot at the right time. Philly is hot at the right time. Arizona is hot at the right time. Maybe not in this series that they're facing right now. But, like, these teams that nobody thought that that, that were going to make it into, like, these final uh, couple series, like, they, they're making it because they started off hot. They knew where they were, and they knew their potential, and they lived up to it. So, yeah. I don't think it has to really come down to, like, they really have to, like, okay, maybe – we 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 need the Braves to be in the championship series. We need the Astros to be in the championship series. Otherwise, no one's going to watch our games. I'm just like, no. This is the beauty of baseball. This yeah. is what we want to see. Like we want to see those underdog teams embarrass these big teams, and that's what I want to see anyway. I want to yeah. see the underdogs. Man, I don't know. I go back and forth on this because, uh, on the one hand, I think the current playoff format, as it stands right now, possibly de-emphasizes the role of the regular season. Why try to win 100-plus games if you're just going to get tired, get that top seed, and get five days off when you don't necessarily need it, when it's not the best thing for you? Uh, but also, like, I love the fact that we're sitting here talking about Arizona and Philly in the National League <laughs> Championship Series. I love that. Yeah, I don't know how much of an advantage being a top seed actually gives you. And so far through two years, the evidence points to very little. It doesn't right. look like it gives yeah. you all that much of an advantage. I don't know if two years is enough to, you know, have all the sirens going off and throwing the flag in like, hang on, we got to change this. It's clearly not right. I don't know if two years is is enough for that. But at right. the same time, like it's it's happened twice now. Here's what I'll say. I'm going to hold officially on this. I will look at Texas and say they led the division most of the year. Sure, they're not a top seed, but coming into the last day of the season, they were a top seed. Houston yeah. led the division not most of the year, coming into the last season, or last day of the season, suddenly are a top seed. So I guess we could say in the American League, at least on that side, we do have two top seeds. But over there in the National League, we have two bottom feeders. <laughs> or not actual bottom yeah. feeders, but not, not top seeds. So I'll hold. I don't know if it's time to sound the alarm, but I mean, obviously, it's starting to trend one way. So, mm. uh, buy, sell, or hold. There is no greater pastime than a Rollis Chapman giving up bombs to Houston in the postseason. <laughs> I'm buying wholeheartedly. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and act like a Rollis Chapman giving up bombs uh, in Houston on sliders, nonetheless. Bad. I know he did that. The Astros to the World Obviously, they were cheating then, but they're not cheating now. Yeah, right. At least, a court, uh, you hope they're not cheating now. But I don't yeah. know. It it looks like Houston has his no, number. I'm, I'm buying too. I'm buying too. <laughs> I love the clip of where like that home run against Altuve, and like he, like you just see the look on a roll this Chapman's face. He's like, 
Nah. You kidding me? Like, like, nah. They're like, they have to be cheating. There's no way that he's expecting. Then he was a slider right there. That time, yeah. A slider right there at that moment, and like, (laughs) there's um, you know the J Cole song, like he knows or she knows or whatever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Use that. They use that audio clip for it, and it was just his face. It's like. She knows. <laughs> yeah, that's heinous. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. But I'm buying. Like, yeah, I'm buying. There is no, but. yeah, there's no greater pastime than a role to Chapman giving up bombs to Houston in the postseason. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Not necessarily an a role to Chapman fan, not an a role to Chapman hater, but also it keeps that's happening, true. and I'm here for the content. Uh, <laughs> so content. we've already we've already talked to, uh, about this a Shout little out bit. Juco King. <laughs> The top seeds are gone, but but I do want to build this out a little bit more. Does Major League Baseball have a playoff format issue? Because what we've seen for the past two years is the top seeds uh, get knocked out early on after taking those five days off. And you don't see a lot of people saying, hey, those five days were awesome. We loved Mm -hmm. having five days off. We needed five days off. Like nobody's saying that, which kind of begs the question, like, is that what the top seed should have or or should the top seed rather than get a bunch of days off also participate in the wild card round just a round earlier in a best of three, but get to choose who they're playing? Like, do you think that would work out better? Maybe. I don't know. Huh. Not that we're trying to really come up with alternatives like here. Uh, we we could spend but, the entire offseason coming up with alternatives. Essentially, what we're doing right yeah. now is, is there a problem? And I've already kind of said, I don't know if it's time to raise the flag, but also it's happened twice. Do you yeah, think there's a problem? I don't think there's a problem. I really, like, if there's if there's going to be alternatives that, like, better the system, like, and better just, like, the players, like, health, and just, like, in regards to just, like, uh, by, like, I want to say bye week, but not really. Like a, like a, a first round bye, basically. If that's going to help in a sense, then it's it's proven now that it hasn't. Like, I'm totally for it. I'm I'm okay to change, uh, or I I'm starting to be okay with change, even with the pace of play rules and everything like that. So, like, definitely not opposed to it, and I could definitely see it happening. Uh, but as of right now, like what I'm currently viewing, I don't think so. I don't think. It's yeah, I can't think of a better format that wouldn't require us going back to what it was to something prior. Like before this, okay. only four teams made it and it was the three division winners and one wild card. After that, it yep. was the three division winners and the two wild card teams or two top teams in the wild card played a playoff game to figure out who played that top seed of the mm-hmm. division winners. And now you got a, a couple teams. You got three teams making it out of the wild card. So we keep expanding it, but we also see the top seeds getting knocked off more often. It's almost like seeding yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Right. Um, That's what we've been saying. Uh, yeah. It, it's getting closer and closer to March Madness, where eventually you're going to have a five seed meeting up with a two seed, and the one mm. seeds get knocked out early. I think that's kind of where we're trending as of right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that Texas and Houston series, uh, everything's bigger in Texas. You heard it from Post Malone. Uh, give me something, yep. something real. It, playing before the game i love it yeah i love it texas versus houston yeah please don't there are so many 
so many fans in the seats, both Texas and Houston fans. Uh, oh yeah, in, it, in it, Houston, it's, 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 it's going to be the same going back to Globe Life Park. You just know it is. A bunch of Houston fans are going to yeah. be there. Let's recap games one and two. Uh, here are it. the notes that I have from game one. Verlander sure. did his job. Verlander only allowed yep. two earned runs, but Jordan Montgomery was better. I Any agree problem with that? With that? Totally okay. agree with that. Like, right, no here's the next. I mean, he he went like he went like what six, seven innings. Like, I think he went seven game. innings, only two earned. Jordan if Montgomery was better. Outing, if you can have that outing every time you go out there, or a majority of the time you're going out there, yeah, you're a solid guy. So yeah, you're Jordan Montgomery. It. All credit to you, my man. If you're you did yeah, a good job. Dusty Baker, and I walk up to you and I say Verlander's going to go seventh tonight, but he's going to give up two. Are you taking that? I, I'm sure he would. Because oh, I, yeah, I don't I would think anybody that. thought that Houston's offense was going to get completely neutralized by uh, Montgomery over there for Texas. Right. Yeah. So, George, uh, what are you saying? Let's talk about Tavares at some point during this. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Leonie Tavares. Yeah. Actually, let's go ahead and wait. No, he, he was a bigger factor in game two, right? Yes. But, yeah. Uh, so we'll, let, we'll let's finish game in, one. In game one with the home run. Um, True. Against Verlander. But yes. back in game two as well. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. he's figuring it out, and you love to see it. Yeah. My next note from game one, uh, Framber Valdez was neutralized. Or, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I- I'm mixing up names. The actual note that I have is Jordan Alvarez was neutralized. Ah, there you go. There by you go, the curveballs okay. from left-handed Montgomery. Historically, we haven't seen Alvarez struggle against lefties uh, like you would typically see a lefty struggle against lefties, but it looks like Montgomery's curveball leveled the playing field. Yeah, agreed. Uh, he wasn't a factor. Uh, okay. Last two notes here. Altuve. And his base running blunder at second base. That's what sealed mm. the game for me. That's what Carter making the flying catch in left field and the and the little pocket that they have out there. And the yeah. Texas Rangers infielders having the wherewithal to catch the ball and touch second base. And then the yeah. dugout immediately saying, hey, go challenge that. Like he definitely goofed over there. And they come yeah. right out there and they say, yeah, he's out. Okay, so yeah. I'm not a robo um guy for umpires in the field, but also there are six of you out there. It had to be one of your jobs to watch that. One of you had to have the job to watch, but apparently it wasn't looked at. So they eventually got the call right. Altuve's base running blunder there. I thought that's what sealed the game. And the Rangers offense, boy, are they humming and boy, do they strike quickly. They do. Those two runs, bang, like that. Almost like you didn't know it was happening. Verlander, even though he only gave up two over the course of that game, was in trouble several times. Bang, yeah. like that. All of a sudden, he was in trouble. It, yeah. it was it was exciting to see. So, what do you have to say about Tavares? Tavares is hot, man. Um, we uh, saw in game one the home run, um, home run against Verlander, which made it two to zero. And then we see in game two that he's just continuing to ride that hot streak and um, end up with a triple to put him on third. I think with an out, with one out, I could be wrong in that, but like. He's getting on base. He's making stuff happen. He's making he's making the wheels turn. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to be looking at him. I'm definitely going to be looking to him through that. And also, another player that I'll be looking at through this entire through this entire series is Jordan Alvarez. I was texting in the group chat with you and our father, and um, 
I was like, we are watching the Jordan Alvarez masterclass of how you hit in the postseason. Yeah, this We're is truly hitting seeing, We are truly seeing something special out of Jordan Alvarez. There were comparisons that on the broadcast team that was making from Jordan Alvarez and David Ortiz. Jordan's got a little, got a little more to go. In, yeah, which obviously, to, like, like, I automatically say, absolutely not. You can't do that to David Ortiz. But then you look right. at so far in their postseason careers, they're pretty close. Yeah. I, I was a little are. shocked by that. Yeah. So, your your Jordan, <laughs> Jordan is that dude. As much yeah. as I, I don't necessarily hate the Astros, but I'm despised. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but Jordan's hitting 101 and monty neutralized him in game one hats off to jordan montgomery game well even two. in game two when yeah a this was thrown to him and that's a lefty on lefty matchup that's what bruce bochy wanted i think that's what all of america wanted uh in regards to just um alvarez getting a silence but lived up to it in game two as we're about to get into um send it over the right field fence like in a hurry like yeah. that got out in a hurry Alpha Chapman. Like, if I had to bet money on Aroldis Chapman giving up a bomb in Houston at this point, I would put the house on it because it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. The Rangers bullpen is doing enough. Yeah. That's what I have to offer. Their starters are getting the job done. Nathan you got Scherzer. Nathan, it's big him. game Nate. Yeah. Big game Nate. Is, I'm ready to call him, him that. Yes. Uh, Montgomery and Evaldi both getting the jobs done. The Rangers bullpen doing enough uh, by holding the Astros behind whatever lead the offense has given them because they're a quick scoring offense. Uh, But hey, that left fielder they got over there, Carter, if he's putting up some great at bats, Lowe is putting up great at bats now. He's seeing it well. Tavares is a hot guy. Um, Garcia has been streaky all season. And yeah. once he figures it out, the ball's going to start flying everywhere. Like, it's a. Yeah. I don't think I came into this series looking at Texas's offense and saying, that's a scary offense. But now, mm-hmm. especially because I'm watching all their games, they're scary. Yeah, they are. Scherzer they're game so. three. That, I think that starts tomorrow. It's not going to be Verlander versus Scherzer, uh, but Scherzer is out there. What are you He's expecting to see? Back. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Um it's Max Scherzer in the postseason. Yeah. That's my expectation. He's I going to know, live up to it. I don't know how many innings he pitches. I don't know how well he does, but I know this. Yeah. He's gonna dog it out and he's gonna give it his all. He yeah. may throw out his arm while he's out there, but he's but doing he's it for doing his it teammates. for a good cost and he's doing it for his teammates. Yep. Yeah. So that's really our game one and two recap. Coming up later in the series, Texas still hasn't lost. I don't necessarily see them losing games at Globe Life Park. Um, nope. That could be exciting to see. Uh, obviously, we're going to get into this more in our Thursday episode, but sure. let's move on to a game one recap of the Phillies versus Arizona. Obviously, you and I all over the series because yep. Citizens Bank Park is rocking. It's so much fun to watch games there. Uh, not necessarily in person, uh, but... Yeah. watching games on tv it's it's weird but it's awesome we've already established philly by a million yeah that, i mean if the walk-up songs are hyping up the fans it's a magical season oh you yeah know I, mean, I, I mean i mean we just go back to the 2013 um red sox when shane victorino would step up to the plate and the uh it would be uh three little birds by bob marley don't yeah. worry 
Yeah. Well, no, don't sing that because we're going to get copyrighted. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Or I just don't want you to sing. Anyway, here are the notes that I have uh, for yes. game one. Okay. I wasn't. Okay. Game one recap. Here yeah. are my notes. Uh, going forward, Philly by a million. And anyone that says otherwise clearly hasn't watched them play. Uh, yeah. Note number two. If the Philly starters can get the game to the sixth inning, it's over. It's over. Yeah. If Zach Wilson can get to six, it's done. If Aaron Nola can get to six, it's done. If Ranger mm-hmm. Suarez can get to six, it's done. Why? Because the Phillies have Sir Anthony Dominguez, Jose Alvarado, and Craig Kimbrell. Yep. And they, I don't think they've surrendered a run up to this point. Maybe they did last night against Arizona. But that string of guys coming out of the bullpen, that's insane. The job that they're doing right now, it's just hard thrower after hard thrower after hard thrower. There really is no break in the barrage of guys that they're bringing to you, I guess. So if if you fall behind and you're Arizona, that's not necessarily a a fun area to be trying to make up any deficit that you have there. Um, Does Arizona realistically have a shot in this series? You don't think so? Nope. If Arizona were to win, why would that have happened? Um, couldn't get it started on offense, and they couldn't uh, score runs um, in the beginning of the game. So, like, if it, if they can't score, like in like from the first to the third inning, um, and they just can't get the bats going, that'd be the reason why they uh, why they win. Yeah, yeah. I I think if somehow any pitcher for Arizona cools off the entire Phillies lineup. That's how Arizona wins. But Arizona's only winning that game if they score very early. Yeah. Uh, Another figure to pay attention to is the Phillies uh, pitchers also out there in the bullpen right now. uh, Keckring, Orion Keckring. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you paid attention to this story, but he started the year in like high A ball. And now wow. he's pitching in the big leagues in the postseason in some high-stress innings. He's throwing the snot out of the ball, and he's doing well. He's only appeared in three games, uh, three innings pitched, one strikeout. I don't think he's had a base runner. No, he's definitely had a base runner, but but he's getting it done. Hadn't allowed a run. So that's uh, honestly, if you get it to the fifth, yeah. at that point, it's just hard-throwing arm after hard-throwing arm. Game two tonight. Game two. We got Aaron Nola going for the Phillies. Yep. Um, I don't know who's pitching for Arizona at this point. I saw it earlier, but I forgot. I would have to guess that it's going to be – I'm going to butcher his name if I say it. Um, But going tonight – oh, actually, it's it's not him. It's Kelly for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. Yeah. I think Mark Kelly is his name. This is horrendous that I don't know the guy's name. No, it's Merrill Kelly. That's awful. Uh, this season went 12 and 8, uh, 3.29 ERA, 187 strikeouts. Um, looks like he had a solid year. Um, his, his strikeout to walk ratio doesn't look like it's, it's all out of whack. Oh, wait, I have seen this guy pitch earlier this year, and he did look good. But I, yeah. what are you looking for in this game? Because I don't see him doing any better than Aaron Nola. Yeah. Exactly that. I think that he is going. Um, he's gonna. He's gonna do good for the first couple of. He's gonna do good for the first couple of innings. I think maybe just like maybe even allowing a run, keeping them at bay. 
But I feel like it's just, it's just like the dogs are going to be let loose, and it's going to be yeah. quick. So, so if I had to say three and a half is the over under for Philly home runs, are you taking the over or the under? Ooh. So they had three. Kyle Schwarber is always liable to go yard. Bryce Harper yep. seems like he goes yard every game. Nick Castellanos only goes yard if there's a tragedy. And then Trey, Trey Turner, Turner is always liable. <laughs> JT Romuto can definitely poke one out if he wants. I'll hit the over then. You're taking the over? Yeah. This game, I'll take the over. Last night, I would have taken the under. but Because of Zach Allen, yeah. But also, I think the over hit on that one. Yeah. Maybe I I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, that's how psyched up I am. I can't remember what happened the last game because I'm already looking forward to the next one. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so here's where we're gonna close today. Uh, what is the secret to success in October? And I have spent some time thinking about this, and I'm gonna say some things, Peyton. You let me know if it sounds horrendously wrong. Okay. Good. Each of the teams that are in the postseason right now and still doing well are all teams that have solidified leaders in the clubhouse yep. and have two dominant starters. Like, not okay. necessarily yep. okay starters. Everybody has two dominant starters left. Yep. So this is where I look at uh, the Rays. This is where I look at the Orioles, even the Braves. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know who the leader of the clubhouse is in Atlanta, other than the manager, Brian Snitker. I don't think there's a guy who's willing to go to bat for his team every time they're talking to the press. But if Philly's in trouble, I know Bryce Harper's going to bat. I know Nick mm-hmm. Castellanos is going out there. I know Kyle Schwarber. Trey Turner. Might. Trey Turner. Any, any of those guys. JT Romuto even. Yeah. But right now, Texas Rangers, we see Jordan Montgomery, Nate Evaldi, even Max Scherzer, dominant starters in the postseason. The leader in that clubhouse, I don't necessarily know who it is. Yeah, but it's definitely somebody. Yeah. I, it might it might be Jonah Heim, honestly, or Nate Evaldi. Yeah, the catcher. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Houston, Houston, Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, leaders in the clubhouse, yep. Altuve and Bregman. Oh yeah, I mean they've been there before. So I, oh, Philly, I mean, you could throw Alvarez in there. You, you could so, at this no? point, battle tested, okay. absolutely. Philly, yeah. your leaders, basically most of the veteran roster, dominant starters, Wheeler and Nola. Okay, Arizona, dominant <laughs> starters. Gallon, and I think his last name is pronounced Fat. Or, yeah, yeah, I uh, think P-F-A-D-D-T it's... P-F-A-D-D-T or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Anyway, dominant starters. Who's the leader in yep. the clubhouse? Probably Montero, Corbin Carroll, Evan Longoria. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays, dominant starters. Glass now. Who's the leader? Is it a Rosarena? Oh, Rosarena, you could throw in there, I think. Um, Yandy Diaz. Diaz, maybe. I was Wander Franco. Say, I was about to say Franco, but yeah, but we can't anymore. Not. <laughs> yeah, anymore. We get canceled. Um, nope. Yeah. Baltimore so. dominant starter. Who is it? Leader in the clubhouse, Adley Rutschman. Adley Rutschman. You can throw Gunner Gunner Henderson. Henderson in there. In, uh, in there. Miami um, dominant starter. Who is it? Holiday, he was injured. Uh, yeah, Alcantara. Alcantara wasn't there. Who's the leader in the clubhouse? Chisel, maybe. Right. Uh, throw in Josh But Bell, I don't know if maybe. I want him as my leader. Right. Right. So I think we're seeing who wins the games are the teams that put together the best starting pitching performance of that given I agree game. With that. 
And the teams that do that the best are the ones with two dominant starters mm-hmm. and a solidified leader base in the clubhouse. Yeah. I don't Great. know who that is for the Braves. I wish I could look at that clubhouse and say, clearly it's Acuna, clearly it's Olsen, clearly it's whoever, but I don't know who that is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to close here. I don't mean to put you on the spot. We didn't put it on the run sheet, but it is the beginning of a new week. So we have to cover the previous week. Best yeah. and worst of the weekend. My best of the weekend, continuing to watch a red October in Philly. It is so much fun watching yeah. the games in Citizens really Bank is. Park. Worst of the weekend was Fox cutting away from the game and showing Tampa versus the Lions early. I didn't want to watch that. Yeah. I wanted to watch yeah. uh, the, the close uh, to the Browns and 49ers game. Also, Christian McCur- McCaffrey might be out, so I'm a little sad. Peyton, your best and worst of the weekend. Best uh, follows yours uh, right up there with the Red October, man. It is really, really fun to watch. I was even having a fun time watching it uh, with people over. I, I had uh, some data plans that I was attending to. Um, it was really, really fun. I hope they could keep it up. They are a really talented squad, and I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series. Uh, my worst of the week um, probably had to have been my little panic moments uh, in the Jags game when Trevor Lawrence went down. Hopefully he's going to be all right. I think he's going to turn it around and uh, be ready for Thursday, but I still also really don't, obviously don't know. I know Bethard today took some practice with the first uh, with the first team. And uh, just, to, just to give Trevor some rest, hopefully he'll be able to be healthy because we know how important it is for a quarterback to be healthy in order for them to really um, execute offensive, uh, offensively. I mean, we've seen that with Joe Burrow, uh, which with him on his like somewhat of a calf, not really do all that well. And uh, Jamar Chase, a.k.a. 7-Eleven, always open. Um, hopefully we can get that happening for Ridley um, this uh, Thursday. But, uh, yeah, that's my worst of the week. I think just um, having a little bit injury. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not awesome. Um, right. So for the final time today, we will see you all on Thursday. Enter into the contest. Uh, how many baseball hats does Peyton have? I'm mm-hmm. offering mulligans uh, closest to without going over because nobody's done it yet. You guys are aiming a little too high. Remember, Peyton is balling on a budget. All right. So without wow. further ado, we will <laughs> see you Thursday. And for the final time, this is Diamonds and Hashmarks. I'm the host and producer, Alex Pichardo. And the co-host, Peyton Pichardo. You dig. We dancing on our own.